fasten your seatbelts. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're gonna ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're gonna ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the Thirty Something Movie Podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It's 30 something. was on last night. Mm. We watched a good chunk of it. What was on last mm-hmm. night? Instant Confused. Nice. Yeah. Well, it is the 30. So, I don't know if we're dazed and confused. We might be dazed and confused. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. All right. It is the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, whether we are dazed and confused, we're here. We're here to talk movies. We are here for all of your movie desires and needs. We're here to take some phone calls tonight. Hopefully it's a lady. <laughs> I got my Cavathier and <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know what year that movie is, but I fairly certain we might not be covering it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could be a Patreon exclusive, maybe. It could be. Very exclusive. Got to show your ID to listen. Right. It's very exclusive for the ladies. It is. <laughs> yeah, the ladies, man. Ooh, that uh. color sounds like a lady. <laughs> okay, that was definitely not a lady. That that. Okay, yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> There's a shovel, and you're just digging. I'm just digging. I'm just digging. Keep going, and I I wonder when you're going to stop, and you just keep going. I just keep going. Yeah. It's been that kind of a day, Bo. It's it's been that kind of a day, Bo. Well, as you've already heard, you've heard the dulcet tones of Bo the Love Fest Warmbold. Hello there, John. Love Fest, how are you doing? I'm quite well. Good. Good. And then we also have here the king of the virtual wax, Pat Canagallo. Pat, how are you doing? Hey, hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, that's, doing good. Th- that's a callback to the news segment from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's just oh, making sure man. that the people are listening to all of our episodes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. That's the deep. That's mm-hmm. the deep cut there, man. If you want to understand that joke, you gotta had to listen. Be there. Had to be there. Got to. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, guys, are you ready to talk about Thelma and Louise tonight? Thelma yeah. and Louise. Thelma and Louise, um, which I'm going to say, let's let's you know jump right ahead quickly to a spoiler alert because uh, I'm going to jump all the way to the end of the movie. Wouldn't it have been even more awesome if when they drove that car off the cliff, it would have pulled a repo man and just kept going? Yes, I think so. I mean, that's kind of amazing. That that would have been, I'm sure that's the director's cut. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. There is a cut of the movie. I don't know if it ever got printed, but there is a version of the ending where you see the car 
finish leap. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Wait, finish like explode or? Uh, they didn't get into the details. Oh. Okay. I was like, for a minute, like, I'm like, do you mean finish like they landed on the other side of the ravine and drove off? No, you know, let me see if I can find the entry but more there's a version where the car crashes it's it's more definitive that they died yeah, yeah. it was felt it was a little too uh i mean i would feel like it's, it's pretty definitive <laughs> pretty definitive that they died anyway but right metaphorically maybe yeah, they lived let me on see if i can find it real quick well, while you're looking for that, let me go ahead and do our uh, our typical intro stuff here. We've already spoiled, so I feel like I can skip that one for now because, you know, it's already been done. Um, this is the first episode, and I'm very excited to announce this. This is the first episode since this has happened that we are now recording. The 30-something movie podcast is now part of the Scene Stealers podcast network. Oh, wow. So we are very excited about that. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent, who have a top-class roster of movie and TV stars ready to be booked now for your Comic-Con or event. For more information, check out scenes, uh, www.scenestealersglobal.com. No so, kidding. This is, yeah. is this the first official episode that we'll publish under our new... This will be the first official episode that is is published under this. So we had a couple of episodes already pre-recorded and pre-edited, but this will be the first one that uh, we, we might have the, the label on the album art of some of the others, but uh, this will be the first one that we've officially announced that we are part of the podcast network now. So thank you for having us. Yeah. So one of the this other very cool things about this is because um, uh, Adam is the guy's name who runs it uh, because his business is to help book movie and TV stars for comic cons or events. That also means that there is the potential that we would have you know even more access to be able to get some of these people on the show. So he's got some folks. I know he's got one of the actors in particular is from The Sandlot. Uh, so, you know, when it gets time for that movie, we might be able to get him on to our episode. Uh, he actually on his own podcast, um, the Geeky Retro Nerds podcast, um, he had just had on the uh, the daughter. I kind of blanking out on the actress's name, um, the daughter of the Griswolds in the original um, National Lampoon's Vacation movie. Oh, Dana gosh. Barrett. Cool. Yes. Dana Barrett is her name because that's because the Dana Barrett and Ghostbusters was named after. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So she was actually just on his episode. Um, he had one of the writers on from Cobra Kai on his podcast. Cool. And so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that'll be something very cool. In fact, he, he mentioned to me, he's like, oh man, if we had get, gotten this thing going for you sooner, he's like, I have, you know, one of the people I work with was one of the actors from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh wow! I was like, well, that would have been cool. So I am, I am humbled to be part of this illustrious uh, yeah, undertaking. It's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than yeah, cool. This so, is this is awesome. So very excited to be a part of that. Um, and you can find if if you want to go find the link to scenestealersglobal.com if you want to go find that on our website you can also find uh, I've posted up a page that has the some of the other shows that are part of this network as well so you can find those shows also 
Uh, you can get there by going to our website, 30podcast.com, 3-0 and the word podcast.com. Uh, you can also rate our show, leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon, all those different things. Um, Patreon, if you do that, you also get access to some exclusive episodes that we put out every month. Um, and if Pat's background here on Zoom is an indication that sometime within the next two years, we're going to be talking about Enter the Dragon. Oh, <laughs> Wow. There we go. All right. Well, I wasn't able to find that entry. I was going to ask you. Uh, Ridley Scott filmed a longer ending found on the special edition DVD in which the car is seen plunging into the canyon with a melancholy B-King song playing in the background. He opted for the more upbeat ending with the car frozen in descent and Hans Zimmer's score. Okay. Mm. I knew I'd read it. Somewhere. Hmm. And because it's Ridley Scott, there was a third ending that was filmed that shows aliens bursting out of their chests just as the car is in mid-flight. And because his brother was hanging out on set, an F-14 does a flyover? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I do. It's funny. When I realized this was a Ridley Scott, I was honestly surprised. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just... It's not what I think of mm-hmm. when I picture Ridley Scott at yeah. all. Yeah. Well, it was it was the scene where you see the origami sitting on the dash of the car, and then you just kind of wonder, are they replicants too? <laughs> are they dreaming? Is this all? I'm I'm still. Are, if it was the Repo Man car, like if they uh, just sailed are away, are we all and, dreaming? John? Do we dream of electric sheep? Oh. Or are we all just lust in the wind? Oh, it could be. Dude. Dude. What are your earliest memories of your mother? (laughs) (laughs) We have already, we're like less than five minutes in and we're already off on a tangent. Yeah, well, that's That's how we roll. That's all right. That's, that's, we, that's how we do what we do. All right. Well, our movie this time around is Thelma and Louise. It came out on the 24th of May, 1991, rated R, the runtime of two hours and 10 minutes, directed by Ridley Scott, who also did The Martian, Blade Runner, and Gladiator. Producers on this one were Ridley Scott and Mimi Polk. Uh, Scott also produced Hannibal and Black Hawk Down. Polk also produced White Squall and The Breadwinner. Writer for this one was Callie Curry, who also did the TV series Nashville and the movie Something to Talk About. Cinematography was done by Adrian Biddle, who died in 2005. Also did cinematography for Willow, V for Vendetta, and Aliens. Music by Hans Zimmer, who did Gladiator, Inception, and Man of Steel. Uh, budget was $16.5 million. Box office was $45.4 million. Flick metrics, combining Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterboxd, gives us a 79%. Cinema score gives it a B+. Susan Sarandon played Louise. She was also in Dead Man Walking and Bull Durham. Gina Davis played Thelma. She was in The Fly, Help Me, and A League of Their Own. Harvey Keitel played Hal. He was in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Michael Madsen played Jimmy. He was in Kill Bill and Species. Christopher McDonald played Daryl. He was in Quiz Show and Happy Gilmore. Stephen Tobolowski played Max. He was in Groundhog Day and Single White Female. Brad Pitt played JD. He was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith and 12 Monkeys. Timothy Carhart played Harlan. He was in Yellowstone, the TV series, and Hunt for Red October. And Lucinda Jenny played Lena, the waitress. She was in Rain Man and G.I. Jane. 
the meek housewife Thelma joins her friend Louise, an independent waitress, on a short fishing trip. However, their trip becomes a fight, a flight from the law when Louise shoots and kills a man who tries to rape Thelma at a bar. Louise decides to flee to Mexico and Thelma joins her. On the way, Thelma falls for sexy young thief J.D., and the sympathetic de detective Slocum tries to convince the two women to surrender before their fates are sealed. Thelma. I'll get it! Thelma, I've not told you I can't stand it when you holler in the morning. I'm sorry, doll. I just didn't want you to be late. Hey, how you doing, little housewife? Louise. Now, I still have to ask Daryl if I can go. You mean you haven't asked him yet? Thelma. Is he your husband or your father? Thelma and Louise are going fishing. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. <laughs> He's going to kill you! I left him a note. <laughs> Thelma and Louise are going to catch hell. I'll have a wild turkey straight up and a coke back, please. Thelma! Oh, what? Tell me something. Is this my vacation or isn't it? Butt. <laughs> Thelma, have you lost your mind? Woo! I'm uh, investigator Hal Slocum, Arkansas State Police. You get your butt back here, Thelma, now. As you know, we've tapped your phone. What? Maybe you got a few too many parking tickets. <laughs> Thelma, what happened? You're getting in deeper every moment you're gone. You want to step back and get in your car again, please? Now, I swear, three days ago, neither one of us would have ever pulled a stunt like this, but if you was able to meet my husband, you'd understand why. What? Boys, shoot the radio. The police radio, Louise. Got it. Thelma and Louise. How do you like the vacation so far? <laughs> We'll be drinking margaritas by the sea, Mama Cita. Woo! All right, so uh, before we kind of get going here, there were a couple of interesting things that I had read about this movie. And one of them was that the original actresses that were supposed to play the parts of Thelma and Louise were Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster. Yes. <laughs> And that they only like, and they were actually cast as the lead roles, but the pre-production of the movie took too long, and they had other commitments uh, that then started to interfere with because of the schedule and everything. So they both ended up having to drop out, and then that's what they ended up with: Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. Yeah, this movie Ooh. went through a few sets of casts. At one point, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep wanted to make a movie together. They ended up doing this becomes her and said i did look at this script went through a lot of changes it sounds like very interesting uh evolution of this yeah hmm. so our, our typical first question is one word or phrase how does this movie make you feel i uh what's what's a word for like drawn captivated oh okay i was captivated by the story i um yeah, I'll answer the question mm -hmm. and nothing else. Yes, captivated. Your word and my word are very similar. My word is hooked. Okay. Oh. Yep. Entertained. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I will I will kind of uh, follow my hooked statement up with, this is the first time I have seen this movie from beginning to end. So I had not, I know I had seen bits and pieces. I knew the premise of the movie, but this was the first <laughs> time from beginning to end that I had seen this one. And 
you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I knew what to expect from it. Like I almost thought that it was going to be, okay, I'm going to use this phrase and I'm going to, I'm going to like hate myself for using this phrase. Uh, I kind of thought it was going to be a, a chick flick mm. and just like a, you know, like a, a buddy travel movie with a little bit of, you know, crazy crime built in. And, and actually there was more. And, and I think that maybe I also thought that there was going to be, not that it was a comedy movie, but that maybe there was going to be a little bit more of a comedy leaning to some parts of it. And it ended up being a much more serious movie than I thought it was going to be having not seen it before and only having seen bits and pieces and knowing it just from pop culture references. Um, you know, cause obviously the, the most famous scene in the entire movie is the end. Um, right. you know, and so that's, that was kind of my, that was my understanding of this movie up until having watched it, but having watched oh. it, I'm like, I, I don't, I was not disappointed that the movie was different than what I thought it was going to be. Like I was actually pleased. Like, I think it was a much better movie. I, I was pretty certain I was going to enjoy this movie, but I really liked this movie. Like I thought it was really well done. What about you guys? Is this the first time you'd seen it or? Yeah, first time I'd seen it all the way through for sure. Okay. Um, I think I'd caught bits and pieces over the years, but nowhere near enough to uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I I remember when it entered pop culture. I mean, I remember when the movie came out. I remember, you know, as a kid, I was old enough to like process. Okay, and I knew kind of what it was about from people telling me. I, it's funny because I think when I had the opportunity to see it a few years later, I was old enough, or you know, in college or whatever, that I could go and like just check it out. I saw, like you said, the, the bits and pieces of it and just realized that, wow, this is a lot more serious than kind of I'm in the mood for let's throw Independence Day on, you know, like that's kind of what my mindset was. So I never really remember checking it out, you know, all the way, uh, all the way through. And so this was the first time that I saw it all the way through. And it's funny, John, I think uh, you know, someone could be forgiven for thinking it was going to be comedic. I mean, just listen to that trailer. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, that trailer sold a different kind of movie than what I just watched a couple of days ago, or actually just, I watched it last night. I just into this morning so that I just less than 24 hours ago, watched this movie. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it, it was not what they painted in that trailer. Um, and it's funny because I'm just going to make a bold statement here and it's not my place to say, but I, I think I would have preferred the, uh, the original or not original, but the alternate ending. I think so too. I think, I, uh, go I wondered ahead, if that was a product of, I wonder if that's a product of our time though. I'll, I'll dig into that a little more in a little bit, but I wonder if it's a product of now. You, uh, you say you want to dig into it a little bit or do you want to uh, expound on, uh, I, I didn't want to cut you off. I just wanted to throw that out there. So no, 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 no. Go ahead, please. I'm just. I just wonder if we're more accepting of a, of darker endings maybe now than we used to be, because we've seen more of them in movie and television. Um, I think thirty years ago there was still a stigma of, are we really going to kill these two women mm -hmm. on camera? Like, 
I think there was still a lot of that 30 years ago. Um, I think, you know, reading some of the stuff on IMDb, they talk about how the, how the producers in the movie studio were pushing for an even happier ending than they got. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually gave in, but, but those are the words that are used whenever it's talked about they gave in, like they didn't want this. So I wonder if part of us thinking, oh man, that ending would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> because we are more used to gritty, darker things in modern cinema. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. And the ending would have fit better, you know? The do 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 would have been the car driving off the cliff and fade to white. I mean, what was that? Like, I mean, I, I, uh, now that I know that that ending, I might just find that ending and stop. Then when I rewatch this movie, stop it and play that other ending. Cause I think, I think that would, I think that would fit with the overall story of the, of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and to, to put a happy ending in, or to put that trailer, which, either is kind of the, uh, the old bait and switch kind of move there with that trailer, or that puts such a gloss on the movie that that's like, no, that that's not what this is supposed to be about, you know, on any level. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, like I said, I really liked the movie and I think I would have, I, well, I know I would have liked to seen that other ending because I think that's a more fitting ending, you know? I mean, if if it's if we're going 80s action then fade to white and uh do that where they're cheering as they go down but i mean like i said i i grew up watching butch cassidy and the sundance kid and i have seen easy rider so i kind of know how the anti-hero heroes are supposed to do you know what i'm saying like that's the vein i'm in and so right. like then when you give me this it's sort of like like you're trying to you're trying to kind of put a different kind of spin than what my mind this is what the this is how the movie should end and like you said is it is it now and then the only thing i'm left with is is it just now we're more tolerant of a gritty see and i don't know are we more tolerant of a grittier ending or are we more tolerant of a grittier ending with female leads and it could be that i hope it's not but it certainly could be I mean, because, you know, 30 years ago, we, you know, still, I mean, that was 30 years ago, you know, I mean, just how you envisioned all those things. And I mean, even the idea of, I mean, I remember the the debate at the time, you know, like around, I might be way off on this, but in the military with like, like women in combat roles was not even so much could they handle the combat roles, but would the males around them be shocked with the idea, you know, or, or, or would the country be shocked with, you know, when the body bags come back with females and do you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. so I wonder if it was a little bit of that where, well, we just can't, you just can't show that, you know, which then is the whole joke because you had that very disturbing rape scene. Right. And it was presenting a reality where, well, and that's not fair because you, you wouldn't have seen what happened if, you know, 
uh, if uh, Louise had just backed her away, not shot the guy and gotten the police. But based on the story of what had happened to her previously, you know, the guy's just going to get off. So, I mean, you've got that. I mean, that's the narrative that they're showing, which 30 years on, cause that never happens. But I mean, you know, like uh, that's the narrative that they're showing, but then it's like, Oh, but, but we can't show the car hitting the bottom of the ravine, you know? Right. So, so uh, to bring it all back. Yeah. That's, you bring up a really interesting point. Is it just the fact that, Oh, we can't see female characters get injured. <gasps> or is it just, we went through a phase where we couldn't tolerate gritty endings. Yeah. Could be a little bit of both. Which we're holding true to course. I just threw 600 gajillion words at it and said it in a much less eloquent way than you did with one simple sentence. But yeah, you bring up a really good point. I, yeah. So I, I did find an article um, a little bit, a little while ago, there was a book called uh, off of the, off the cliff, how the making of Thelma and Louise drove Hollywood to the edge. Um, and the author's name is Becky Aikman. Mm -hmm. And there is a part in here where they talk a little bit about the ending and, um, the interviewer, the, the question the interviewer asks is, uh, I don't read the ending as punishing two anti-heroes, but I could certainly see some people viewing it that way. Do you hear that sentiment? And the author, uh, says, oh, of course, a lot of people think it sends a terrible message for women that the only way you can win is to lose. Callie Curry, the writer, and Ridley Scott never intended the ending to be taken all that literally. They both saw it as a metaphorical choice for freedom, and Ridley doesn't show them in a pile at the bottom of the cliff. There's a majesty and a grandeur to the scene that, as Ridley put it, has them entering the realm of myth. Mm. And that's kind of like that's kind of a little bit of the way I took it. And this is this is probably the English teacher in me that occasionally looks for metaphor and symbolism and whatnot to the chagrin of others. Um, but I think that kind of that fade to white at the end that you get there is it's not a fade to black. It's a fade to white. So with that, I saw that and I was kind of like, okay, that's an interesting choice. Like we don't see them exploding. We don't see them dying. And of course, you know, the, the assumption is they're dead. And I think if you ask, Susan Sarandon, Gina Davis, Ridley Scott. I mean, of course, they're going to say, yeah, they died. Um, but I thought that was an interesting choice and probably a, a pretty deliberate choice that you didn't fade to black. And that's typically what you would do, you know, at the end of a movie, you fade to black and then the credits come up. Mm -hmm. This time it's a fade to white. And so that I, I noticed that when I was watching, I was like, that's actually kind of cool. Like that's kind of, it, it gives you a little bit of a, there's a little piece there. And I, I joke about it, you know, being like the repo man thing where the car goes flying at the end and then flies off into, into the sky or grease, whichever way you want to take that. Um, mm -hmm. I joke about that a little bit, but at the same time, that, that kind of resume resonated with me a little bit was that yes, in real life, are they going to drive off the cliff? Are they going to die a horrible death and explode and everything else? Sure. But if we want to, you know, throw in a little bit of, uh, I don't want to call it absurdity, but, um, um, oh God, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking out of the word I'm looking for, but, um, you know, just in the imagination, there could be a realm in which maybe they survive or maybe they, I, I like that last, I want to go back to it real quick. The, the last sentence that the author of this book said, um, oh, where to go, where to go. 
It was the they and it was it they entered the realm of myth. Yes, has them entering the realm of myth. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I kind of like that a little bit. So I'm kind of glad there. I'm kind of <laughs> glad that it for me. I was kind of glad that it ended that way, and I wouldn't have wanted to see any other kind of alternate ending where there was an actual explosion or you see them crash or whatever the case might mm-hmm. be. In, in watching this movie, I kind of got a big, I love watching Westerns, mm-hmm. you know, I love Westerns and I kind of got that vibe from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think, and I, it's been a while since I've seen some of these, but I mean, I've referenced like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. And then what's the other one? And just spoilers for any Westerns. If you like Westerns and haven't seen every Western, so just turn off the podcast for a second. But um, what was it? Shane? Yeah. Is that where he rides? Anyways, you know, there's that whole riding off into the sunset and there's riding off into the sunset happily ever after. And there's riding off into the sunset fade. Right. Mm -hmm. And and those two, I think it's Butch Cassidy and Sun Against Kid and, and Shane, they don't like show those characters, you know, the, the bitter end, right? It just, um, it shows them kind of going off. And like you said, it's, hey, metaphorically, they're still out there, right? Their spirit lives on. It kind of, it kind of gives that, that a little bit more. I don't want to say it. any, any word I'm going to use is going to be mm-hmm. disparaging and I don't mean it to be disparaging, but it le- a hopeful, it mm-hmm. leaves it on a little bit more of that hopeful, like, you know, they're gone, but what they live, they represented lives on kind of, which is maybe what you're saying mm-hmm. I, or yeah. partly. So I, I could see that. And I think I was wrong a few minutes ago when I com- said Butch Cassidy and then I compared it to easy rider, easy rider ends very differently mm-hmm. um, than like, Butch Cassidy, you know, and this, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's, well, it's definitely got elements to elements that are similar to those other movies. Yeah. But it's, you know, I picture yeah. that, like, like you said, like you've got the, uh, you know, Butch Cassidy, <laughs> you've got them, you know, charging, knowing that they're completely outnumbered, you know, they charge and that's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very similar. The one thing I did read, and I'm glad that you brought up, you know, the Westerns and everything else is, um, Ridley Scott, I did read, he was influenced by the, there was a movie in 1973 called Badlands. Okay. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's considered to be like one of the like top movies. It's like in the national film registry, you know, one of those like, you know, top movies you got to see before you die kind of a deal. Um, but apparently kind of the look and feel of this movie is, um, and it is also kind of a, a crime drama type movie as well. Um, but apparently he really brought in a lot of influence for this movie and, and kind of the look and feel of it from that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and I mean, it's like, it's what you want and I don't, you know, I, I guess, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 I guess it's just a preference thing. I mean, I get what you're saying and I get, you know, that what they're going for, and trying to show, and it's nice to have the explanation of, no, this is kind of what we're saying. Mm. And that's fine. I'm fine with art having to be explained to me, you know, like I don't want to, I don't want to always be the lowest common denominator. I want a movie to educate me, you know? Um, so that's cool. But yeah, I could, I could see what they did with the, uh, with the ending. So. And I, I, I realized I just said, I think I realized I just said that Badlands was a Western movie. It's not a Western movie. It has like Western, feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it takes place in the 
like mid 20th century. So it's, okay. it's not a like old West movie, but it's, it's got kind of like that palette right. to it. Kind of the visuals. Right. Well, and it's interesting because then, you know, the movies that we talked that I just referenced are like from the sixties and seventies. And that is a, that's a completely different time than like what we have, um, what we're talking about now, you know, with like Thelma and Louise, that was a completely different time. But I mean, even if you look at movies, um, of today where there's like a last stand, you know, movies within the last 10, 15, 20 years, if there's a last stand, usually someone is still standing. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they, 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 they kill off enough of the characters to make it real and to give that person someone to have sorrow over, but someone still walks away. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's where it's interesting just seeing that transition from, you know, like some of those movies I referenced where it just kind of ends like real life and it's, it's pretty like glum. Mm-hmm. And then now we've got the fade to white and Hey, the spirit lives on. And now I think movies of today, there's always going to be the, the one survivor that kind of staggers away. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so another interesting thing about this movie, um, and I'm, I'm going to pull this from a, there was an article back in 2011 from the Atlantic. Um, and I'm going to pull my, my next question, uh, from their headline that they've got. And also, you know, tie in something else with this too. This article's headline was Thelma and Louise, the last great film about women. Mm. Now, I'm going to preface, you know, my, my other thing I'm going to bring up here next, I'm going to preface this, preface this by saying, um, we are a bunch of guys sitting around talking about a movie that has, you know, some pretty intentional, you know, feminist themes to it. And, and I think I've read in a lot of different places, they, you know, refer to this as like one of the most pivotal feminist movies. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think it, as we, dip into this part of the conversation that I wouldn't want to move too much further into this conversation without saying we're a bunch of guys talking about a movie about women. So that would be kind of like, you know, me trying to claim I'm the expert on all the different themes in a movie where, you know, the, the characters are primarily African-American or indigenous peoples or something like that. So I'm going to preface that real quick and just remind everybody that, you know, uh, even though we all have, you know, very, very, luscious locks of hair um <laughs> we we are we are three gentlemen here that we all have like really short hair that was i actually just got a whole bunch of it shaved off this weekend it, so i wouldn't have to pull it out it's it's looking good too my man thank it's you it's looking good i i went in and i said give me the pat canagallo <laughs> and they did they did <laughs> hey john uh, i heard I someone called for me <laughs> My, my oh, back man. is very smooth now too. I uh, oh, I see. I don't have that. No? I mean, okay. you know. Yeah, John. I think it was it was virtual. It's on that one. Okay, all right. Different Pat Canicello. Uh, that's um, right. So my other question before I ask you the question is this the last great movie about women? Um, my other question for you is: um, Are you? I feel like we've talked about this before. Are you guys, do you guys know the Bechtel test? I do. Okay. Pat, are you I aware do of the not Bechtel know the test? Bechdel test. Okay. So the Bechtel test, as best as I can 
describe it and as briefly as I can describe it is, and I've, I've gone to bechteltest.com. Um, and it, it's really interesting when you start to look at movies, you know, based on these criteria and the idea being is that it is really trying to, um, you know, it's really trying to look at in what movies do we actually have female characters um, and I think you can you can adapt this to you know other minority groups as well. But in what movies do you have female characters that are really represented represented in a meaningful and realistic way? And so the three rules of the Bechdel test for anybody who's not sure what that is um, is rule number one: the movie has to have at least two named women in it, so they can't just be like nurse or waitress. They have mm-hmm. to actually have names. Uh, rule mm-hmm. number two, those two named women talk to each other. And rule number three, what they talk about has to be something besides a man. So your Bechtel test rules for a movie to pass the Bechtel test, it has to have at least two named women in it who talk to each other about something besides a man. And what's kind of, I don't even want to say funny. What's a little sad is sometimes I, I've looked through the list sometimes of what movies like pass and don't pass. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, wait a minute, I've seen that movie. Are you kidding me? No, that movie's got two. Well, no, hold on. No, it doesn't. Do they talk to each other. Yeah, they talk to each other. Oh, but they're talking about a guy. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the, yeah, I, I don't want to say funny. I want to say kind of the sad thing is, you look at some of these and, and I, I think exactly, you know, exactly what I just said. Oh, I've seen that movie. Of course it's got, there's a female in it. I mean, she's one of the major characters. Um, what was one of them? Oh, uh, Jumanji, the next level. Ah. I'm like, of course. Yeah. She, uh, well, no, huh? Okay. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, was that? Yeah. So I, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And, and I know, I know that sometimes, you know, people can get, you know, frustrated by, by saying, well, you just, you're just taking some of this stuff like too far. Like really, does it have to, is every movie have to have this? No, I don't think every movie has to have this, but what are you laughing at? I'm just, I'm just laughing at quote unquote, that guy. I'm sorry. I'm going to mute myself. Are you that guy? I am not that guy. That's what Unless we're okay. talking about the same guy. I'm just oh, laughing at that. Oh. God, does every movie need to have this? And then, you know, is, it, meanwhile, is there a specific like, guy I'm referencing? Did I, did I step into a minefield? No, no, oh, okay. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, what I'm laughing about is that there's the other side where for how many years have like, uh, females had to watch mm. movies where it's just like, Right. Guys and all guys and all this and all that. And yeah. my daughter will pick up on that. My daughter, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's the nature versus nurture thing. My daughter will be like, where's the, like, where's the girl? Mm-hmm. Or right. dad, you just said, Hey guys, uh, what, you know, she'll did just you say it right. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. What was that? No, <laughs> never mind. Oh, okay. I, what, what did I miss? No, I tried to make a Goonies reference, but I don't think it landed quite right. Well, okay. and I, uh, it, no, it was probably my dense person. Anyways, no, no, no. And, no and, then, and then all of a sudden, and that's why, you know, like when you think, th- you know, I remember people saying, oh, well, this movie is, you know, and I remember that, that this was like, you know, that the two female protagonists are such a big part of this movie, but it's like, 
I just, I mean, and I might be getting myself in all sorts of trouble here and that's fine, you know, whatever. I mean, but it's like, I want to look to the day where this movie can just be out and stand on its own. And yeah, it's a couple of gals that are taking the lead in this or, you know, and not have it be a thing or guys that be, oh, well, they're just trying to play for a, you know, or off and just, no, they're two compelling characters. And yeah, I really was in what I was rooting for one of them. And the other one was like, oh my God, just stop, stop. And then all of a sudden it flipped and there were three dimensional. And so that's why I laughed. And I'm sorry, I interrupted. I didn't no. mean to jump in there, but that's why I laughed when it's that guy like, oh, we're just taking this stuff too far. Cause you got to have two female leads and all the guys are ridiculous. And it's like, yeah, because every other movie for the last 80 years has been the complete reverse. You, you show one, you flip the script once and it's a thing. Right. And it's like, that's why I laugh. I, I'm sorry. And that's, it'd be like you know. if you made an all female Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And that's, and, and it's funny because we were talking or about like that. like an Ocean's Tam- 11, but with all women. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, <clears throat> and I, I, and I remember I was like, Tammy, you know, you know, she wanted to go see the Ghostbusters movie. And speaking of Liam or Chris Hemsworth, fantastic job in that movie mm-hmm. in terms of his comedic chops, just as an aside. But look at this. Like, and I don't want to say, hey, I'm part of the problem. But what did I do? Like at the all female goes. And I'm talking about Chris Hemsworth. I mean, like if there's any more. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just I think yeah. we all just got to calm down. It's, it's not a thing, you know. And like Tammy, what did Tammy say? You know, when she hears these things, like, it'll be like, oh, you know, this person, you know, people giving it a hard time. And she goes, well, maybe it's not made for them. You know, and it's like, yeah, there's a bunch of guys that are all threatened by this. Well, maybe the movie's not for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, so anyways, that's why I laugh. So I'm sure everyone's going to want to like get angry. So please, please feel free to go after my Twitter account and send me Insta chats. Okay, please feel free to film a tic-tac-toe video and send it to I don't care at I don't care dot com. <laughs> well, no, that, that's it's been it's been an interesting week for conversations like that, because there was also the thing that came out this week, um, you, the week prior to us doing this recording that and the first part had me a little dismayed because mm-hmm. I've I've said many times before I think Henry Cavill is a great Superman and I want to see him do more Superman movies more standalone <laughs> Superman movies but then one of the words that came out this week was nope they're planning a different Superman movie J.J. Uh, Abrams is going to at least produce it I don't know if he's going to direct it but he's at least going to produce it and it's going to have a black Superman mm-hmm. and oh dear lord oh gosh you you would have thought that I don't even know what you would have thought about Twitter and and some of the other spots out there, but people lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Like some of the stuff I was seeing, people are just losing. Well, it's not my Superman. This is no, no, that's Superman's not. They're just changing the history of the. Like okay, first of <laughs> yeah. all, let's <laughs> okay, yeah. friends, let's uh, welcome, well, welcome. To Superman school. Yeah. Allow John to explain to you that throughout the course of the history of comic books and superheroes and even Superman himself, there have been several iterations of Superman in what we like to refer to as a multiverse. And mm-hmm. in the multiverse, you can have. And you just lost all the people you're trying to talk to. I did. I know. But. <laughs> you said multi what? 
Oh, no, no. See, those, I mean, a, a bunch of those people be like, oh, I know the multiverse, but that's not Superman. That's not the main Superman. That's the point of a multiverse. You can tell stories in multiple ways yeah. with multiple yeah. characters. And I'm just sitting there going, you know what? Actually, I thought there was there was a stretch of time where they did a, a multiverse story where there was a Superman. I think his name was Calvin Ellis. And he was a black Superman. And he also happened to be, this is when, I think it was still when uh, Obama was president. He happened to be president of the United States. <laughs> so if I'm remembering that correctly. So then you had that whole thing of how does the president of the United States also keep his dual identity of Superman without anybody noticing. Like, yeah. That has a little bit of ad added uh, challenge to it, but it was yeah. an interesting was story. Cool. I yeah. mean, there's other stuff too. There is um, forgetting the Shaquille O'Neal movie, but there was steel, you know, the character of steel from the comics was a great character. It's one of my favorite characters back in the nineties. Um, you know, but it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, why do you care? Like what it, there if you really want to harp on crappy movies, there are so many other bad movies that get made every year. Why are you upset about this one? Like, mm -hmm. what about this one threatens you? Yeah. Maybe if you yeah. go watch this one, they will make another movie about a different kind of Superman that you like. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what? There are other great Superman movies, minus a quest for peace, that you can mm -hmm. go back and watch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just that's not quite the same as the Bechtel test, but it, I mean, similar in in some ways because it's like you know, it, who cares? Who cares? Why shouldn't there be more representation in movies? Uh, I'm just gonna come right out just as a side note. Yeah, and I know it's not a movie, but before we started the podcast, I was extolling the virtues of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I'm gonna say it one more time. I think Deep Space Nine. I don't know if you can apply the the Bechdel test to. Uh, and I hope I'm saying it the right way because I just mm -hmm. heard about it like 10 seconds ago. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I don't know if you can apply it to shows, but I think Deep Space Nine passes with a uh, uh, a sterling uh, picture there. Mm. Unfortunately, there's going to be exceptions. Well, the problem with Deep Space Nine, you're going to laugh, is Dax. True. He is always talking about men. True. And so is Kira. Kira is, but there's... She's always talking about what's his name. True. But here's the, here's the flip side of that th that I'm, I'm going to throw up there. And I'm not going to say that everything is... I mean, because, I mean, again, you get a 25-year-old show and there can be some things. But, I mean, oh, yeah. how many times did Kira have exchanges with um, Kai Wynn where it had nothing to do with men and it was just two strong females mm -hmm. that were on two like they were antagonists with is that saying it right gentlemen um, i'm, I'm going to save you a bunch of time of trying to figure this out okay i found a website called trekkie feminist okay and if you there go to is. this website it's a tumblr website if you go to this website it's the bechtel test results deep space nine and Ooh, this person has gone through and they give you whether each individual episode, whether it oh. passes or fails the test and how much of the season passes or fails. Okay. Is so, there a general number that they give? I'm just curious at this point. Um, let's see. 
because I believe that's another podcast in and of itself. If we're going to mm-hmm. go through, which mm-hmm. one that I would gladly accept, I will gladly join that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So here they say in this website, here are the results. The per- first percentage that I provide indicates the results. If you require that two female characters clearly address each other, even in group scenes, the second percentage in brackets indicates the adjusted pass rate. If you include any episode where two women characters have back-to-back lines about something other than a man. So like season Very one, cool. season one, I think it's 60. Well, if you use that second test as, as mm-hmm. uh, your measure, um, season one, 79% of the episodes pass. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's more than I would have thought. Season two, 77%. And they go through what's kind of nice is they go through, they give you the title of the episode, they give you whether it passes or fails, and they give you a quick note as to like what was it that caused it to either pass or fail. Unfortunately, as the show goes on, the numbers get a little smaller. Okay. Yeah. And then you get back. That doesn't surprise me that much. It kind of dips into like the 40s and 50s for the last few episodes, for the last few seasons, and then season seven's like a. 64 percent mm. so interesting yeah no, so that, that well, kind of answers your question a little bit well and here's right the on. thing here's the thing that i'm, I'm going to say and obviously you know bringing it back to thelma and louise and i mean i'm not good i'm not going to question the validity of a test that i didn't know about from uh you know 10 minutes ago but you know and obviously if we're talking about guys talking about girls or gals talking about guys i mean we're ignoring a whole group in there. Right. And I mean, and, and, and so I, I, I want to be conscious of that and realizing that, you know, just in, 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 in describing it in a binary sense, I know that I'm, I'm, do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm missing and I'm, and I'm going to walk in and, and say it in the wrong way, but I mean, you know, we're missing a, a group of people out there that maybe don't quite look at it in those terms. And so apologies for that. But, you know, I mean, a bunch of guys will get together and they'll talk about, they'll talk about girls. Okay. Uh, whether it's, you know, married guys talking about their wives or high school guys talking about their girlfriends or whatever, you know? And I remember at least there was a time where like, you know, when females would do that, when gals would get together and talk about guys, then there'd be a stigma about them. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like, Oh, if, if you're boy crazy, like, Mm-mm, nope, that's your, you know, and there's all sorts of terms that we just automatically would apply to that person for talking about guys all the time. But when guys do it, it's like, oh, that's locker room talk, or that's just, that's just how guys are and all that kind of thing. And so, I mean, I mean, I don't want to question the test and I can, I mean, I can understand, you know, failing the test if they're talking about guys in terms of, oh, okay, their lives revolve around guys. Like, oh, I have to talk about, does my husband get, do you know, so I get that. But in the same token, um, you know, there was, there was and probably is a time where the kind of the ways that guys will get together and talk about girls, right, was inappropriate for girls to get together and talk about guys, right? It was still, there was that inequality, like, no, no, gals can't get together and talk about how hot guys are. You know, they, that's, no, no, that's, that's inappropriate. But if the guys all get together and do it, that's just guys being guys. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I get, I get where the test is coming from, but boy, it is not my place to question the validity of that test and all that kind of thing. But what are the conversations that they're having about guys? Mm-hmm. Do, do well, you know I, what I'm I saying? Think it's, I think it's more of what you said earlier, that it's more of a, it's, it's not about... You know, it's not like 
they're gushing over guys. It's mm-hmm. more of a, are their conversations, you know, compared with your typical movie is that a, a male lead in a movie can have conversations about all kinds of different things with other men. Um, you know, do you get the same quality? Do you get the same caliber of conversations from women or are they only ever responding to what men do or talking about one of the male characters or yeah. 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 No, I get it. And like the, like the Dax character, I think it's so many ways that the Dax character was like, you know, you, you describe her as like, Oh, party girl or whatever. But then in the same token, if you saw those same attributes as being displayed by guys, then I don't think we'd be, as questioning it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was, Oh, that's just what guys do. So I think that's a good point is what are the conversations like Thelma? Like, and I'll, I'll bring it back to the movie we're talking about. Sorry, everyone didn't tune in to talk about DJ's <laughs> nine, but I mean, um, you know, with Thelma and Louise, like I see two compelling characters and I mean, you know, they're making choices that I wouldn't personally make in life. But it's like the fact that they're female doesn't like make me say, oh, well, I'm not disengaged. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're Mm -hmm. they're they're compelling characters. But in the same token, it's like anything, you got to be careful because you can't just. If you were to write them without showing those consequences of, you know, there's going to be some slime ball at a bar that's going to try and rape you or, you know, some guy driving a truck is going to make lewd comments or, you know, the fear that, Hey, we're not getting a fair trial. (laughs) I'm not getting a fair trial. Sorry. And even if we did go report this guy to the police, like he's, he's going to get off, you know, that's a reality that, Oh man, it might not be the same for everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what I'm saying with all that, but I, I know I enjoyed the movie. Do you feel like one of the criticisms that this movie got when it came out, you know, I, I think I didn't see this at the time when it came out. Um, but I think some of the, some of the initial reactions to the movie were that I don't want to say universally, but I think a lot of women audiences loved it. Um, and I think some of the critics, if they, if they liked its progressive take on, women and, and women, you know, their friendships and struggle for, you know, more freedom or equality. I think some of what came out from several critics was the criticism that, well, this, this movie just hates men. It's a man hating movie. (laughs) I can already tell from your response. My my next question was going to be, uh, is this a man hating movie? <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's like that's like when I'm like to my kids, like, "Hey guys, you got to go clean your rooms, okay? You got to stop yelling at me." Mm-hmm. No, 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 children. I'm not yelling at mm-hmm. you. I'm just. Yeah, it's that tone of voice. Mm-hmm. You're yelling. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I mean, it's just like I mean that right there. <laughs> I, I, I have. If you think this is yelling, I have not yet begun to yell. Oh my right. gosh! It's the same thing as when Alanis Morissette released "Jagged Little Pill." I remember. I mean, I was I like, and again, I mean, it's hard for me to talk definitively about that because I mean, I was in the middle of high school, and the only thing I listened to, uh, was listening to, was like Miles Davis 
records from the sixties. And when I say records, I literally mean like LP vinyl records. That's mm-hmm. what I was listening to in high school. When, when Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill came out, but I remember when that came out it was like, I mean, I, oh, cool rock, you know? All right. Mm-hmm. And, but that's what, Oh, she's just angry and she hates men and ah, kind of thing. And it's funny. I put it on the other day and I was listening to it. And I'm just like, well, first of all, this is a great album. And second of all, what was all the hubbub about? I mean, she's just like, what? I mean, it's just like, it's everything is, ah, everything is a threat all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So, so no, I will definitively say in case my sarcasm isn't obvious enough. No, no, it doesn't hate men. (laughs) It, It doesn't. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's my reaction. I, if we're going to talk about Jagged Little Pill for a second, like I, that was one of my favorite CDs that I had in That's high school. Great. And I was like, "That's yeah, I, I love this album," and I don't think that crossed my mind I once. Believe it's it's an anniversary year for that, isn't it? Is it really? Because it's been all over um, Sirius XM, like bad evenings where they play the whole album start to finish. Um, uh, it came I, out in '95. Okay, so is that 25 years then? No. Uh, would it have been 25 years in 2020 then? Maybe that's what it was, because it could have been before the new year, because we were listening to it driving somewhere. and It was 25 just, years in 2020, yeah. Okay, that makes sense, because we were listening to the radio driving somewhere, and Lord knows we haven't done that in mm-hmm. a year. Um, driving or listening to the radio it was somewhere (laughs) relatively far away and we happened to dial into this channel that was playing Jagged Little Pill from start to finish and we listened to the whole thing it was fantastic it's it's an unbelievably awesome album I love that album and I don't see that as being man-hating like I, from what I recall, I mean, it's been a while since I've listened to it. From what I recall, I, I mean, go to the song "You Ought to Know," and mm-hmm. that might be a little man hating, but it kind of sounds like that man deserves to be hated. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> and again, I want I want to be very clear. I'm just saying there were people within. I, I don't necessarily say they were friends or whatever, but I remember talking to people that had labeled the album as that. And I'm saying wrongfully labeled the album as that. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to be very clear with that. I wasn't. That's not my belief, because like I said, I love the album and I think it's great. But that was the piece of it, sort of like with this movie, just because just because you have, you know, two strong female leads that are on the run. How is that? How is how is that man hating? Mm -hmm. And why is that even a thing? So, right. I. Am I, am I being clear with that? Yeah. I can. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I, but I, yeah. <sighs> well, and what's, what's interesting about some of these different articles about this movie that I was reading about, um, in this one that the headline, uh, and this is from 10 years ago, um, Thelma and Louise, the last great film about women. That article was interesting because they make a point of saying that they're really, while Thelma and Louise seems to be a very progressive like ahead of its time kind of movie for that for that topic um there really hasn't been anything that compares to it since then mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. if you look at most movies that have come out since then um you know particularly if you want to narrow that down to like mainstream movies what have the, what has there been since then that would be 
that impactful as a strong movie for women. It's like, well, you know, or yeah, I can't think of too many. Well, yeah. let me, and again, like a story like that, where it's not going to end happy, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you can't do that all the time because like, you know, you got to have something to balance that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and the, the movies I referenced earlier, it's the same thing. Not every movie ends. Do you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. it's, it's, it's the, 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 the rough ending, but in terms of strong female carry the story, I mean, Wonder Woman came out in 2017 and we were talking about how when they first started making Wonder Woman or wanting to make Wonder Woman, they said, oh, no, female protagonist can't carry the movie. Mm-hmm. And that that came out in 2017. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, there, there a little bit a little bit of a gap of time in there, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I can't, other than like a movie where there's, other than a movie where there's, yeah, I, you know, where the female character is equal to the male characters, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, the whole joke was, I, you know, when when some of those early DC movies came out, like, you know, when it was the Batman and the Superman, you know, the beginning of justice or whatever the thing was. I mean, I, I, I don't want to throw shade, so I'll, I'll put it in the positive. There was a lot of folks I know that talked about Wonder Woman's bit in that whole thing was like the one highlight, you know, that they really thought, oh, that was that was something that they seized. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. like all, all the signs were there but she played what amounts to be a bit part in that movie. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there, yeah. you had the Charlie's angel movies, but. Is I it, I, I think, I think maybe some of those like wonder woman, Charlie's angels, things like that. The characters, even though they may be strong female characters, I think that maybe part of the reason why those and, and I don't know, I, I'm not even sure if, if I would discount them for these reasons. But again, that's why I preface this whole conversation with saying, you know, we're three guys sitting around talking about this. Um, I wonder if because of those, you know, when you think of Charlie's Angels, there's immediately a thought of, you know, their looks and how they're dressed and that kind of stuff. And... Well, I don't want to say Agreed. that I don't want to say that that happens that that doesn't happen in in movies with men. I think that if you want to say that something is a strong um you know, female-led movie, uh a feminist movie, you know, however you want to say that, I think that that would be why some people might discount those. They might be like, "Okay, well, I don't see Wonder Woman as being a strong movie for women because there are so many times that the male characters are just staring at her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, isn't there even the one line in the movie where she's beating somebody up and one of the guys says something like, I am both frightened and aroused at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's one of the lines in the movie. And so that may be why if, if you, cause if you then take that bent on it, it's like, okay, well that does disqualify a whole bunch of movies. 
That's yeah, that's true. I mean, I and I like I said, I get it with the Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. thing because I think who, who I don't want to say who is it designed for, but again, I think that's where you need a female perspective. We got to ask our wives, mm-hmm. you know, or our daughters, you know, or what you know, whatever, and and you know, just kind of listen to what they say. And I, you know, I'll go in my own household. Uh, my wife is a huge wonder woman fan mm-hmm. and was like, we're going to that movie and you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, Charlie's angels. I don't, I don't think that's even a blip kind of on the, mm-hmm. on the radar there. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying because that's, that's where, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to be like, you know, well, I'm making this movie for, you know, women because there's a, there's a girl in it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's like that kind of thing. And then, and she's sort of like what we talked about with necessary roughness, the Kathy Ireland character, right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that was really cool, but then, okay, well, there was a shower scene. Okay. Well, does that, <laughs> I mean, who is this, who is this really for kind of thing? But on, on the same token, you know, it, you know, it, it cuts both ways because, Okay, does that mean that you have to cast people in there that are like completely ugly for it to count? You know, I'll tell you, my wife's a pretty big fan of the Thor movies. I don't know if that's, you know, <laughs> I mean, when I told her there was a Hulk Hogan movie, she's like, oh, great. I said, <laughs> hey, Chris Hemsworth's playing it and check out this picture of him lifting this like 600 pound object. She goes, well, we're going opening night. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yep. That's kind of what I figured, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's, it's hard. And I, and I mean, I, I mean, I like, I get what you're saying, you know, I can't, you know. I always feel like it's less about the whole looks thing and more just about frustration of why does every woman in every movie have to have something to do with a man? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, it makes sense. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the looks is as big a deal as maybe it comes out in some writing. Um, that being said, I think we can all agree that Hollywood is looks conscious mm-hmm. male or female. Right. Um, I don't think this particular test about females has anything to do with looks. Um, I think it's more about the content of the movie. Than it is mm-hmm. the, the, the visual of it. I think the, it was a, you know, it, it's a way to highlight the inequities. Mm-hmm. They're certainly there. Um, and it, it, it depends on who's doing the writing of the movie too. Right. Because I mean, it immediately, immediately made me think of that line in, um, uh, as good as it gets, you know, <laughs> you know, which one I'm talking about. How do you write women? How do you write women so well? Yeah. I think of a man and I take away reason and accountability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just not, that's not yeah. going to play well. No. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, and there, and there, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a repost to that. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's a, I'm, I'm sure there's an answer. Like, how do you write from a male perspective? So, well, you know, I mean, the unfortunate thing in that movie is where I'm trying to think of how that line was used. I mean, yeah. Like guys can sit there and go, yeah, <laughs> but Jack Nicholson in that movie wasn't quite the Sterling character that, Oh no. You know? Mm-hmm. And that was the unfortunate thing. It would have been great if Helen Hunt could have just had the, rebu- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
the rebuttal to that. Well, but let me, let me, let me turn it on its ear. And, and again, like, wasn't this whole, wasn't Thelma and Louise, their whole thing was a reaction to what that one guy did. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So again, I think to Bo's point, I think it's, it, it's totally about the writing. I mean, there is going to be, unless you're going to write like an entire movie set, I'll say Wonder Woman on the Amazonian Island where it's all women, right? Unless you're going to write that kind of thing, then there is going to be interactions between men and women. And I think you just, it depends on how you write it and what you choose to highlight and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, I think, the real interesting question about this movie is, was was it a reaction to what he did or was it a reaction to the trying to figure out how to say this or was it a reaction to the I guess in the end it goes back to what he did I was going to say was it more a reaction to their actions but their actions were caused by what he did so yeah okay I'll be quiet now. <laughs> well, no, I, I just talk I, myself in a huge circle. Well, but I mean, I think I think some of it too is that they they take control of the situation, and mm-hmm. over the course of the rest of the movie, they take more and more control over the situation, and mm-hmm. they are they're going to do things their way. Like they're not going to do they're not going to do what anybody else tells them to do. Like that's <laughs> they are completely removing themselves from their other. You know, it, it almost becomes like they're their own little universe in that car mm-hmm. um, that they've removed themselves. You know, even though, um, you know, even though Louise, you know, her boyfriend, he's a great guy like in this. And then that's why, you know, the whole, you know, this movie just hates men. Like, no, mm-hmm. you know, it, it shows I think it shows how some men can be really horrible people. Um, but I mean, that, that's not a man thing. Like people can be horrible people. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's horrible men in this movie, but there's also good men in this movie. You know, Louise's Mm -hmm. boyfriend is, is, seems like a good guy. Harvey Keitel's character seems like a good guy. You know, he really genuinely seems like he wants to get to the truth and try to bring these women in without anybody getting hurt or. So, okay. First time I've ever seen this movie, Harvey Keitel's character. One of the things that confused me the most is when he got so invested in these two women. Yeah. I missed something. Like I, I get that he's invested in this. I, I'm just not sure I understood why. Mm-hmm. I think it, maybe someone else saw it. <laughs> I, I think it could have been like, that's kind of one of the things that I was like, eh, that I thought I happened into like a director's cut that had extra 20 minute. 10 minutes of footage or whatever. There were scenes in this movie that I thought didn't need to be there that were like, haha kind of scenes that just seemed, why is this in there? Um, that could have been replaced with maybe Harvey Keitel arguing with his partner or the other guy just about how they should bring them in. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think right. w- if you would have had like a couple of those arguments or like, no, we've got to bring them in or don't you get it? Like they're, you know, 
explain a little bit more about Texas. You don't need to give the details, right? Texas can still be, you know, whatever happened to her in Texas, that can still be kind of like, sort of like the bank in uh, Reservoir Dogs, right? You never see what happens in there, but talk about it enough that it makes, it shows why Harvey Keitel is sympathizing with her. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Here's, I mean, it, I think, yes. I think if you could have, there were a couple of scenes in there that were kind of like, yeah, we can cut this stuff out and then give us five minutes or a few more minutes of Harvey Keitel arguing with his partner, like, no, we need to do this. And then I think that, or do this this way. And I think that would have revealed a little bit more why he's sympathizing with them. Okay. You know, I can see that. I mean, like, like I love the clip with the guy on the bullet bike going past them when they were trying to pull out of the gas station. But I'm like, why is that? Why is that there? And why is it a bullet bike whipping down a dirt road at hundred miles an hour? Like that makes absolutely no sense. You know, like you can take that out. I mean, there was, there was an, Oh, them running to the guy's house in the rain. I, uh, I was kind of like, why do we have this 30 seconds of, you know, they're all like, oh, we're in the ring. <laughs> hey, uh, the police, it was like, why do you, why is that in there? Take that out and show them, you know, after talking to the guy, it, you know, after interviewing the husband and going, this guy's a complete jerk. No wonder that, you know, I mean, just give us a little bit more of him processing all the parts of what they have in their life and maybe why they're on the run aside from the fact that they took out a guy that, you know, raped them or attempted to rape one of them. The whole scene, I'm sorry, the whole scene with the guy riding the bicycle, I mean, you know, and uh, smoking the joint and blowing the smoke into the trunk. I mean, it was funny. It was whole lot of stereotypes wrapped <laughs> wrapped up in in one minute so i mean i kind of watched it and it's like uh, okay I, this kind of this this sets it's this sets the movie well i don't know I, I don't know i'm not gonna make that claim but i mean i don't know that whole scene just seemed really why is this in here to me um that a lot of that could have been taken out and i think could have you could have had a little bit more of explanation as to why he was so sympathetic to them. Yeah, I just didn't, you could tell that's what the point was. I just never understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I really thought that scene where, where they take off in the car and he just horrified like runs, you know what I'm saying? Like after them, I thought that was a, particularly uh, effective scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to give uh, props to Louise for being one heck of a, uh, well, I'd say one heck of a wheel man, but I mean, that's not right. You know, a wheel woman, uh, <laughs> wheelie, wheelie. <laughs> okay. I'm, okay. I'm not right. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, in that, that car chase, man, she's got that, she's got that T-bird going under aqueducts. She's got that T-bird. I mean, she's cornering that thing through the dirt. And I mean, that's like almost blues brothers level of may- mayhem with the police cars, uh, you know, crashing into things or steering or not making it through and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm, you know, very impressive bit of driving there. 
I, the one thing I want to mention before I do, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here in just a minute and get to our three questions. But um, the one thing I want to mention that I thought was kind of funny was Brad Pitt. Uh, this is one of his earliest roles. He got paid, I think, six thousand dollars to be in this movie. And a few years later, I think for one of his first major roles, he got ten million. Mm-hmm. So not a bad raise in five years. Nope. No, no. You know, did, did pretty well for himself, I think. Yeah. I want to say for the first half to three quarters of this movie, I empathize with Louise so much. And it was just like, okay, don't, don't put Thelma in charge of anything, please, <laughs> please. Yeah. Why? Just, well, you knew in the back of your mind, you're like, wait a minute. Did she leave him in the hotel room with the money? Yeah. Did she I know. leave him in the hotel? Oh. And, and just like every single thing, it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, man. And then, uh, but how cool was it that like, I mean, then Thelma turned around and, you know, was the one that kind of took charge when Louise broke down, mm-hmm. which I was trying to be skeptical and saying, okay, did that just come out of nowhere? And it was like, mm, I don't think so. I mean, right. it, I, it seemed to track pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. So. All right. Okay. Do we have any final comments about Thelma and Louise? I, I, the last thing I'll say is I just, I really enjoyed the movie. Like I, I thought I would, I thought I would like it, but like I was, I was hooked the entire time. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, just, just the, the look and feel of the movie. It was, um, it had very much the, like there's there's a style of short story that I always enjoyed reading that's very much it's got a very southern voice to it um, and uh, there's a lot of different writers that you know kind of have have that particular voice and um, just the look and feel of this movie even beyond the story itself just kind of the whole look and feel the situations reminded me of you know like a Flannery O'Connor or Larry Brown or you know, some of these other authors that I've read before. And so, you know, even just if I just muted the sound and I was just looking at this movie, um, just really enjoyed the kind of the color palette, the tone of everything. Um, and then it was, a, it was, I almost hate to say it's a fun story, um, but it, it, it was, I mean, it was a fun story to watch really hard parts to watch and parts that are, you know, absolutely terrible, but, um, you know, just the, the characters were compelling. Um, Pat, like you just said a minute ago, at no point in time did I dislike any of these care, any of the Thelma or Louise characters. You know, there were times where I was like, Oh no, don't do oh Thelma. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Louise, don't let her do that. But then, you know, each one, they, it, right? they took oh turns. My God, you know this is about to happen. Stop her, please. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, like you said, like, it, they flip it later on, and then, like, the other one takes care of the other. And, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. there was never a time in the movie that, there was never a time in the movie that I didn't feel like these were well-rounded, well-written characters. Yeah. They were definitely three-dimensional. Yeah. Um, I liked some of the, the way they set the shots and it would just have, they go to places where they were just like, it was just old people looking out into nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Just kind of, it, it just kind of like just scenes. And it was, uh, I, yeah, I just, I'm just like, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. There was one scene that struck me as a little weird. They were in the diner right before they realized that the guy had stolen, um, all the money. 
and they had Thelma came in and Louise and they looked over Louise's shoulder and it was like they but the, it was weird because the way they had the camera it was almost like my zoom background it was like focused on Louise but then there was this guy over her shoulder and it was like it was really kind of a weird like that was the only thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit is it was like well how come this guy is in the shot like that doesn't that didn't make much like there was only one thing that was kind of like well that's interesting but uh yeah just all the all the shots that you know the way they framed them out or they just you know they it really they took care to kind of make the shots almost like still still photography you know like those American Heartland kind of big photo books that you do coffee table books, you know, you'd get some of those shots in there. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for three questions? Yep. Yes. Let's do it. He asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Three questions. Question number one. If you were going on a cross-country trip, what vehicle would you want to take? That here, there's an RV. (laughs) Uh, Something with a bathroom, something with a kitchen, something I could just pull off to the beautiful side of the road and sleep in, something comfortable. But if I take an RV, I think I'd want someone else to drive it. Mm -hmm. Can I have a driver, too? Sure, why not? (laughs) Perfect. RV it is. Nice. There's only one answer for me. It'd be a motorcycle. I kind of figured. I was expecting. And uh, it'd have to be like a real fast motorcycle. So when you get out into like some of these open roads, you can wail on it. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, As I had said before, I've been watching, uh, I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill lately. (laughs) And there's an episode in which they, they talk to a marriage counselor about their plans that, you know, when, when Bobby leaves home someday that they're going to get his and hers motorcycles and they're just going to mm-hmm. tour the United States. And so what they end up doing is they actually end up getting one motorcycle and sharing it. And, uh, they end up, they end up going to the motorcycle rally in Sturgis oh. and it's it, the whole episode. It's, it's, it's real funny. Like they okay. just all this, the ways they talk about motorcycle motorcycles. I'm like, I've never owned a motorcycle, but I kind of feel like Pat would enjoy this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty cool man that'd be pretty cool yeah well you can tell when we're when we're recording this it's like uh, you can catch the first glimpses of spring and i'm gonna tell you man i mean i'm not trying to tell you guys how to live your lives but i'm just saying a, a good buddy of mine said you never see motorcycles parked out in front of the psychiatrist's office so <laughs> that's all i'm saying He's right about that. It's true. Riding, riding, riding away from work on a motorcycle, things instantly get better. Riding to work on a motorcycle, it's real hard not to call in. You know? I can, I can see that. I might have to just do my self-check, have it on like, I'm sorry, guys, got a little tickle in the back of my throat. I'm going to have to uh, call in today. Just going to keep riding right on by. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> motorcycles. I think, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before. Um, we've had some different episodes where we kind of talk about cars, and I think it was one of the ones where we talked about like Batman and the Batmobile, and you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about some different type of cars, and um, I know that my typical response would probably be like a DeLorean. I would take a DeLorean, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think uh, I think if I could update some of the interior to maybe like make it, you know, a little bit more comfortable and, and everything else, I, I think I'd probably have to go with one of the first cars that, you know, even as a kid, I was like, I want to find this Hot Wheel or I want this car when I grow up or, you know, it was the first time I remember a particular type of car being one that I was interested in. And um, that would be the ZZ Top car, the 33 Ford Coupe. Mm, I would take yeah. a, a bright red one of those. Uh, cool. Fire on the side optional, but bright red. Very nice. That would be mine. All right. Number two, favorite movie with a strong female lead. Oh, this was tough. Well, and I'm, um, and I'm not going to I'm not going to put the, the in the caveat that it has to pass the Bechtel test either. So you, you've got you've got freedom there. Maybe not as much freedom as our female counterparts, but you've got some freedom there. The first thing I thought of was Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, it was kind of obvious. Yeah. So I wanted, I thought about it a little more, and I did come up with one that I, it had been a while since I'd seen. Um, and that is A League of Their Own. That was on my short list as well. Yep. That was, so I think, you know, I, I want to say Wonder Woman, but uh, I think I also want to put in an honorable mention for uh, a League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm. Is that what you had said as well, John? No, I think, I mean, th- that was up there. Um, I think that, you know, for, for my choice, since I was such a huge fan of these movies, you know, as, as a kid, I think I, I got to go Alien. There you go. I, I got to go Ripley from Alien. Yeah. There you go. Um, now, and as, as we've talked about tonight, now I, I do look at that and be like, yeah, strong female character. That's Would it pass the test? Mm, probably not. Especially because the final scene in the first Alien movie, like she somehow inexplicably is in her underwear trying to fight the alien. But yeah, I don't yeah. think that. Uh, yeah, I don't think that one passes the test. But that's okay. Yeah, so I, for me, it would probably be it'd probably be Ripley from the Alien movies. Um, there were a couple others that like there were some that I had watched recently, like horror movies. There are some that I watched recently that had some like strong female lead characters in them. There was one in particular, um, and I think I watched it round about the time that I had first seen the all female Ghostbusters movie. And it was, there was an all female, and I kind of worried about this because I was like, is this going to be one of those where it's like a bunch of sorority sisters and, you know, that somebody has made this movie just so they can get a bunch of women, you know, in, you know, scantily clad situations and, you know, have a horror movie where people are just running around in their underwear or whatnot. Um, but it was actually a, a pretty decent horror movie. It's called The Descent. Have you guys, either of you guys seen that one? Doesn't ring a bell. I... <laughs> A group of friends uh, goes uh, spelunking, and when they go into the cave, um, they begin to 
encounter things that should not be down there. And that's all I will say in case you decide you want to go see this movie. But it was, it was a good movie. Like it was one of those, I think it would probably pass the test. Um, you know, in that pretty much every character in the movie is female and you know, it's not, it was a, it was a well done horror movie and you know, usually in a horror movie, I think especially horror movies are guilty of that, that uh, women end up being scantily clad in horror movies when it's not always very necessary. But, you know, in, in this one, at least from what I recall, not as much. The other one that I saw recently that had a really great, I, I just thought she was great in it, um, was a was an Australian horror movie called The Babadook. Mm. Have you guys seen that one? Mm. That one was creepy, too. Pat, you might not want to do that one, but... I want to avoid that one. I want to avoid that, especially because uh, part of it is the the Babadook is this character from like a, a creepy children's book, and the uh, Babadook character is kind of haunting the child in the family. Ah, uh, yeah. So kind of goes that. after the kid a little bit. So yeah, I want to avoid that one. Maybe maybe take yeah. a pass. Maybe yeah. take a pass on yeah. that one. Good idea. But yeah. Uh, yours, Pat? Well, I'm glad to hear you said aliens because I had the list going and I'm trying to like pare it down. Yeah. You know, um, I might just say uh, Rogue One with Jin Erso. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Very nice. I really, I really thought that one was, I thought that one was pretty awesome. Um, I, I just, I'm really taken with the Jin Erso character, and it's funny because my my uh, uh, Dominic was asking the other day, you know, because we've started watching Mandalorian, and he's like, "Who are your favorite Star Wars characters?" You know, and it's kind of like I'm going through it, and I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I think Jin Erso's in my top three. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like, I really, I, I think, I think that was a cool uh, relationship that they showed. You know, I think she was just a pretty awesome character all the way around, you know? Um, we're not listing TV shows, right? It's got to be movies. Uh, yeah, let's yes. stick with movies. Okay, good. Thank you, because we don't have the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'll think i say Jin Erso. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see other ones, and I'm trying to be careful because it's like I, I don't want to just, like, go down the Google list of, oh, okay, here's all the, the movies with uh, – female leads like i want to pick ones that are like my favorites you know what i'm saying um Mm -hmm. i quote cap or captain aaron brockovich a lot Mm -hmm. um so i think that one could be really definitely up there uh love the hunger games the books um you know uh there's parts of like i like the movie contact a whole lot um, but again, then I'm just kind of going down to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it. So I, I'd have to say rogue one, unless there's like some other movie that just like pops into my mind that I totally forget about. Um, you know, okay. So yeah, I, I should say the matrix. I, th- I should say the matrix. I think, uh, I really like mm-hmm. the, um, I, I really like the Trinity character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I remember coming out of it and like, you know, actually when I first saw that movie, cause I saw that movie 19 times in the theater <laughs> in the first two weeks that it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like when I walked out of that movie, my first reaction was, whoa. And then I literally walked out, paid my five bucks and walked right back into another showing of it 
His, but I remember his first reaction was "whoa," and his second reaction was "I know kung fu." I know fu. kung fu. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but you know, okay. So spoilers for Matrix. I still don't. Uh, you got wait? Is it Jeff that hasn't seen it? If you guys have seen Matrix, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, here's what I don't understand. Like, and I, I even it's asked this. Yeah, I, I. Here's what I don't understand: that whole final thing where she like. Like like flies the helicopter and he jumps out and then like he grabs onto the rope. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. She like crashes the helicopter while jumping out of it and shoot like. And then it was like he is the one. And I was like, what did he really do? He didn't do anything. She did everything. She flew the helicopter. She swung out of the helicopter. She jumped out. She took the leap of faith. All he did was just hold on to the rope. So I, I, I have to say, I think Trinity from the Matrix is the one. Well, yeah, I, I, I yes. Oh, wait, are you talking about, are you quoting the movie? I, I thought you <laughs> meant, is she the one that makes my little heart go pitter pat? Well, that too. Um, well, we knew that. That was, that was obvious. Yeah. You know what? I got to be honest, guys. I it's, I'm going to have to get two, two, two way tie for uh, Jin Urso and Trinity. And I'm going to have to watch the matrix tonight. Yeah. Cause she rode the motorcycle too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't hurt that Monica Bellucci is in the matrix. No, that doesn't hurt too. Well, the sequels, not the, not the first one, but no. Oh yeah. I might have to say <laughs> Trinity. Cause that I was, I, yeah, that she's an awesome character. Okay. And I mean, I'm just going to mute my mic because I'm just going to talk about Trinity for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. So you can do the show wrap up and I'm just going to sit over okay. here and All right. think my thoughts. He's just going to sit over there and wrap it up. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, little little pitter patter, pitter patter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, question number three, while Pat's taking a moment, uh, question number three, who's your favorite movie cop or federal agent? Axel Foley. Nice. Or do you say Achwell? Achwell. Mr. Foley. <laughs> I want to get him and Frank together. <laughs> I don't. Oh, now we're talking. They can open a business. I'd say uh, Frank Bullet. Okay. Nice. I think he's my favorite. Part of me was going to go with Demolition Man. I was going to go uh, Sylvester Stallone for Demolition mm -hmm. Man. Uh, but then, and I, I, I think I've actually found a quote. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Um, uh, this should give away right away who I think. When I thought about it a little bit more, I'm like, no, actually, like, favorite cop character, especially if we're talking like like a federal agent type person who, in a similar fashion, is is trying to hunt somebody down and catch them. I think I got to go with this one. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. I think I gotta go with that one. Yeah, he's he's That's pretty, pretty good, classic man. right there. Gotta go with Sam Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. And for, he's for those a, who don't know that's the fugitive, and I can't wait till we get to talk about that movie too. That's only a couple more years. That was early. Yeah, 90s? I think it's ninety four. Okay, so getting in the mid, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, no, 93. All right, even closer. Good. Same year we get to oh, talk about Dragon. Enter, and Enter the Dragon and Dragon yeah. the Bruce Lee story and The Fugitive, yeah. Nice. Now, that's ah. a movie I saw over and over again. Not in the theater, but... Yeah. As soon as I discovered that movie, I think that was... I might have watched that several times in a day. They were U.S. Marshals, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's going to do it for three questions, and that's going to do it for this episode. So, Thelma and Louise. Um, yeah, it just I, it was a great movie. Really enjoyed yeah. watching it. Glad I finally got to sit down and, and watch it from beginning to end. Um, just just a great, great movie. So, if you have not seen it, well, we've just spoiled the whole thing. But if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, so very, very quickly, if you want to find out more about our show, head on over to 30podcast.com. We are at 30podcast on all the different social media spots. Um, again, don't forget to check out our sponsor and the rest of the shows in the Scene Stealers Retro Podcast Network by heading over to scenestealersglobal.com. Um, our next episodes coming up are Fried Green Tomatoes, Soap Dish, and then in April, we've got Doc Hollywood, The Hard Way. Uh, our April Patreon movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then we've got L.A. Story and Career Opportunities. And then uh, we'll jump forward even a few more months here, just if you're wanting to get ahead on things. Uh, in May, we're going to be doing Boys in the Hood, Bugsy. Our Patreon episode is The French Connection, uh, The Last Boy Scout, and Point Break. And then in June, we've got Ricochet, JFK. Our June Patreon is Guns of the Navarone from 1961. Yes. Um, I am Superfly TNT. Guns of the Navarone. Um, That's such a great movie. I have not seen it, so I'm looking forward to it. I know you're not referencing it right now with no, the know, thing, but oh, man. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I have not seen it, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then after that, we got Naked Gun 2 and a half. We got Hot Shots, <laughs> and we got Toy Soldiers. So lots and lots of good stuff coming up. I love it. I've been swimming in raw sewage. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. So thank you, Bo. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Always fun to have you guys around. Always fun to talk some movies. And fun to be part of the new podcast network. Yeah. Yes. Very, I hope very we don't cool. I, I, I hope we don't mess it up. We're not going to mess it up. Okay, good. No, we're not going to mess it up. Unless, God is unless way I way too confident about that. Well, I know. I got to find out what his favorite movie is. Yeah. And, then, well, and then if you ever I, talk about it, I'm just going to edit it out of the episode. I love all movies. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Everything is good. Everything, Everything is wonderful. Is good. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And we'll see you back here next time.